Hello, and welcome to Stump Death and Taxes. This is Meep, also known as Mary Pad Campbell. I'm a life actuary, which means I think about death. And yes, there was a notable death recently, that of Matthew Perry from the cast of Friends. He was 54 years old, meaning only five years older than me. And yes, that was very young. And yes, there will be an autopsy, etc., etc., and we will find out soon enough what the official uh, ruling on his death will be. And yes, I could speculate heart attack and then passed out into a hot tub and drowned or was already dead or whatever. It doesn't really matter other than it is a very young age in this day and age to die. However, back in the day, if this was back in if this was back in 1950, this would not necessarily have been very shocking to have died of a heart attack at that age. And so let's think about this. So today's theme is the shape of death in the US. And I'm just going to push it back to 1900 and you're going like just well that's because I'm sitting here staring at a graph that has the age-adjusted death rates for selected major causes of death, and it's only a few, uh, going back to 1900 up to 2018. So we're not talking about the pandemic. And this is bringing me back to my early days in my actuarial career when I worked at TIAA CREF, as it was known back then. And what I was doing at the time was helping one of the senior actuaries prepare for kind of an educational talk uh, for a variety of TIA CREF representatives would be, go would be going out into the field to various universities because of course, most of the institutional customers for TIAA were universities and then you'd have professors and other staff at the universities who would be the people who had annuities with TIAA. And we were trying to get kind of an, a concept of how life expectancy in terms of, well, you have to prepare for retirement and how longevity was increasing in U.S. history. And we were just going back to the founding of TIA Craft, which was like around 1920. And we were trying to figure out key events that helped extend life expectancy. And, you know, I actually found some of the patterns of mortality and what really extended at different points in terms of life expectancy and and yeah it was period life expectancy but it obviously also fed into cohort cohort life expectancy and if you don't know the difference period life expectancy is the one you hear about in the news every year but it's not the one you ever experience as a human being if you have to uh, prepare for retirement, figure out how many years you're going to live in retirement. Period life expectancy that you hear in the media is not useful whatsoever. It's just a measure of kind of general mortality of the population for a specific year. Cohort life expectancy is relevant. However, you actually have to worry about outliving that cohort life expectancy. Cohort just means the year you were born. Um, 
any case, I'm not talking about life expectancy per se. I'm talking about death rates due to certain causes of death and how those have changed over the years. And so one of the big, one of the big ones, the top cause of death for most of the period, except for the year 1918, it was heart disease. And the age-adjusted death rate for heart disease didn't peaked around 1950. So it actually started, um, you know, a little under 300. And this is using the year 2000 age adjustment. And I'm not going to talk about the age adjustment right now. It, needless to say, is just doing a series of weights so that you have the age distribution that you're, you know, doing this death rate, this age adjusted death rate to be about the same each year. Obviously, the population was much younger in 1900 and 1950 than it was in uh, 2018. In any case, it started under 300 and then it kept rising through the first half, first half of the 20th century, peaking around 1950, eh, 1950 through 1960. And then since 1970 has steadily been going down until about 2010. And it kind of leveled off around 2010 for the age adjusted death rate due to heart disease. So many people have wondered why is this? Well, with regards to heart disease deaths, and you need to think about, there's different kinds of heart disease, by the way. You know, there's the quintessential heart attack, which is more often the way men die from heart disease. There's many ways to die from heart disease, but the heart attack, cardiac arrest, that's one way, and that's how my father died. And you get a cardiac artery, the how the blood feeds the heart so it can pump gets blocked. And uh, that happened uh, That happened to my father when he was 38. And it used to be that you would get these men dying of heart attacks relatively young. They would have their first heart attack when they were like 50 because they were, like my father, a smoker and they had crap lifestyles, crap diets, they'd smoke, they'd drink, very little exercise, or if it was exercise, it was that weekend warrior kind of thing where you would strain the heart, you know, doing the, you know, um, kind of burst of energy, play basketball, whatever. But, you know, you were really kind of out of shape if you're a middle-aged guy, especially if you're a smoker or a drinker. They were not in good shape. So it was not unusual to hear about men having heart attacks in their 40s and 50s in the 1950s and 1960s. But as people have stopped, have stopped smoking so much, and the peak, by the way, of men smoking in terms of percentage of men smoking in the United States, and I'll get to that in a moment, was in the 1950s. And of course, as we had the Surgeon General's report and, you know, uh, smoking became less and less socially, socially acceptable, the number of men or percentage of men smoking has dropped off over the decades and heart disease with it. But also we have gotten more effective surgeries, more effective medications, etc. and fewer and fewer. With women, smoking peaked in the 1970s 
and then of course dropped off as well. There has been kind of a persistent percentage of people smoking and it does differ geographically of where people smoke. It does have a big effect, big effect on heart disease. Obviously, it also has a big effect on lung cancer and certain other diseases. That's kind of the cardiac arrest. There's also congestive heart failure, and that tends to be more females than males, if I remember correctly. In any case, this has been the overall shape of mortality with regards to heart disease, which was a big killer. And it still is. It's still the top killer. And as I mentioned, it started to go up again, starting around mid-2010s and during the pandemic. And I said I wasn't going to talk about the pandemic. It really started going up again because perhaps COVID itself has caused some cardiac damage. So, but let's get away from the pandemic. Let's just go back to this over one over 100 year history of what was going on with heart disease. Now, that's the age adjusted death rate. At the beginning of the 20th century, though, infectious disease was a big killer. Now, they don't have all of the infectious diseases on here. Uh, the only one that they have uh, actually plotted here because it is persistent is flu and pneumonia. And of course there is the big spike in 1918. Um, so that started out above heart disease in 1900. There were other infectious diseases like diphtheria, which were big kid killers. Um, but, and here's the thing, those actually got tamped down even before there were widespread uh, child vaccines. Um, there were treatments that became more available, like available, like in the 1920s, there were huge campaigns to improve treatments. And um, so you remember the um, serum uh, story in Alaska with regards to, I believe it was diphtheria. Um, and, uh, the one with, um, Balto, the sled dog, which is also in Central Park. That's pretty famous. But other things that helped child mortality with regards to infectious diseases and other childhood diseases that killed off a lot of children before they turned age six was improved public sanitation and nutrition before 1920. And some of that came from the Pure, Pure Food and Drug Act that was under Teddy Roosevelt. And some of that came from all of this adulterated food and drink. I have a book called The Good Old, the Good Old Days, They Were Horrible. Uh, that have just all sorts of news stories of just, you know, things that go from the Gilded Era, the late 1800s, up into this Edwardian period. Of course, Edwardian period is British, but, you know, we still talk about it, you know, up through World War One and the flappers, etc., where you had you know a lot of iffy practices going on, particularly in the cities. Like there would be fake milk where it was chalk suspended in water and all sorts of, you may have heard of like the horrible 
medicines. It, it wasn't just that there was opium in some of them. There was just stuff that was outright poison that would kill people, though they did not necessarily know that it was poison in any case. Yeah, there was some nasty stuff going on in the late 19th century, early 20th centuries. So a lot of improved mortality, yes, yeah, stay away from the medicine, was just better sewage, um, better food. So with the Pure Food and Drug Act, that's where the FDA and I believe the USDA were founded to make sure that, you know, you got served milk or you got sold milk. It was actually milk and not white paint. Um, it, you know, it, you know, we're so used to our food actually being food and not adulterated. Uh, anyway, it's, you know, it's amazing. Some of the results that came out of that before even vaccines and effective medical treatments before penicillin, before antibiotics, even before sulfa drugs. Um, those, of course, didn't come out, come until World War II. But once World War II came and once we had antibiotics, you see the flu and pneumonia mortality really drop. So there was improvement, improvement. Let's ignore the Spanish flu outbreak in 1918 for a moment. There was some very slow improvement of flu and pneumonia and mortality over the decades from 1900 to about 1940. But when we had, when we had penicillin, whoo, it really, really dropped off in terms of mortality. So that was awesome. Then we have stroke. Stroke has been kind of odd. That was slowly improving from 1900 to about 1975. And then at post-1975, that dropped off that may be related to the drop off in smoking. We'll see. And that may have also been uh, due to improvements in medical treatments for stroke. But the one, of course, that we all know about is cancer. So cancer had this long, slow ramp up in age-adjusted death rates from 1900 up to about 1990, just slowly creeping up. Now, some of that, of course, is due to the smoking and, and cancer, unlike heart disease, heart disease can kill you a lot more rapidly, at least with regards to cardiac arrest than cancer will. Some of this, of course, it's slower development, uh, with regards to the cancer or the heart disease gets to you first. Uh, but also this peak in 1990 and then improving post-1990, some of that, this is going to be coming up very soon with my annual fundraiser for Movember, is that there was uh, improved, well, just improved advocacy for screening for cancer. It doesn't help that you have better treatments for cancer if people don't know that they have cancer. Once that cancer is detected, people tend to have, you know, better and better improvement of survival with improved treatment. But you actually, you know, have to get screened for it in the first screen for it in the first place. 
We've seen that with prostate cancer, though I have been concerned with some of the recent trends I've seen with prostate cancer. So that's one of the ones. And then the last, the last of these causes, death rates, was accidents. And I hate this category because so much is just collapsed into it. And it's on a scale that's different from the rest because it's not necessarily age related like heart disease and cancer and, you know, stroke are. So it was kind of slowly, slowly decreasing over the century with improved safety standards and yada, yada, yada until you know, about 2014, where the, quote, accident of drug overdoses started increasing. So it does, it does, it is very interesting if we break out certain accidental causes, such as motor vehicle accident deaths, that we can look at the particular improvements of safety standards for cars, yada, yada, yada. And you can see for that, uh, for childhood accidents, for this kind of accidents, for that kind of accidents. I love the lightning safety death shout out to um, the lightning safety council there, lightning strikes safety council um, to improve the weather death, weather related deaths going down because, you know, improved weather forecasting and warnings and just telling people weather is dangerous. You can get hit by lightning. Don't be out where you can get hit by lightning for crying out loud. Um, that does help. But of course, one of the big sources of the increase in accidental causes of death has been drug over has been drug overdoses in the last decade. And we're having to see, you know, what can we do about that? And it's, it's hard to tell. And the question we do say after all of this, what can we do? And this is why, why do we have ICD codes for death? Why do we care? Why do we record the causes of death? I mean, it's not just for the benefit of nerds like me. We want to look at what's causing the deaths and to the extent we can intervene, let us intervene. Obviously, we're all going to die someday, but today does not have to be that day, as, all, as I always keep on saying. And to the extent we can prevent what we can prevent, and, you know, there are trade-offs. We're not saying we're going to cover everybody in bubble wrap. Okay, let us have some balance here. We're not merely looking at the causes of death and say, oh, that's interesting. A lot of it, just like with the cancer rates, we look at it and say, well, if the cancer rates are increasing because we told them, oh, well, you don't need to get screened, they're not getting screening, and therefore they're dying, maybe we should change the policy. There, Sometimes there are policy changes that can be made, and sometimes the intervention can be effective. Sometimes when you look at things, though, saying, oh, just lose weight. Yeah, easier said than done. Some of some of the things that we look at, we can say, ah, OK, maybe that is not something that we can do easily and we need to think about it for a while. That said, 
Every so often it does you good, good, to go back and look and see the successes that have happened. Um, it's not only that cause of death. So I'm not only going to go back to that cause of death. Let's go back to childhood death rates. Recently, I was doing infant mortality, but let's just do childhood death rates. Most of the time when I'm looking at these things, I go back at most to 1968 because that's as far as CDC wonder goes back. But the CDC data, they have data going back to 1900 here. And they do have the childhood age groups, 1 to 4, 5 to 9, 10 to 14, and 15 to 19 years old. And yeah, I know, 15 to 19, let's just not worry about that. We'll ignore the 15 to 19 for right now, because there are troublesome aspects to that. But the one to four years age group, which has been always particu particularly vulnerable, started out over 2,000 per 100,000. That's over 2% uh, death rate, which is really high. Um, yeah, that's just very, very high. However, if you take a look at this graph, these death rates for the age one to four has been going down like it's an exponential decay since 1900. That's amazing. Yes, they all spiked in 1918 with the Spanish flu, but it recovered very rapidly. And most of this improvement going from like almost 2000 and 1900 going down to by 19, let's see, let's do 1930. 1930, it's at 564. That's 0.6%. So going from like 2% to 0.6% by 1930. In 1940, it's at like 0.3%. Um, you know, these are still kind of high. And then in, in 1950, we see it at 0.14% by 1970. It's 0. Now I'm trying to keep in mind like how many decimals we're at at this point. So it's 0.08%. Now we're getting closer by 1980, 0.06%. I mean, like it's, it's getting to be almost undetectable in terms of the death rate for these age groups once you get closer and closer, but it still keeps improving. And that's what's amazing. And of course, the top cause of death for this age group, age one to four years, is like accidental causes of death. And it's usually drowning. Um, okay, maybe I shouldn't have mentioned that. Um, in any case, the, the lowest death rate is for the age group five to nine years old, which I call it, you know, school age group. And even they, they've shown improvement. 10 to 14, they're pretty low as well. 5 to 9 and 10 to 14, those are the lowest. It's it's almost like at zero. It's like 0, 0.0, what is that, 0.01%. When I do my ranking tables for causes of death to 
the number of decimal places I usually do for percentages, a lot of the causes of death show up as 0% for these specific age ranges uh, for little kid for school age kids, because almost nothing kills them. Um, this doesn't mean they don't die, obviously, but it's just so few die in the United States out of millions of children. It's a tragedy when one dies because it's so rare. Um, um, and of course they're so young, but we're so not used to it. But back, just imagine back in 1900, 2% of the kids age one to four years dying in one year. That's in one year. And that's, and then each year about 2% of them dying. And I'm not even talking about what happened in the 1800s when early on in, you know, pre-Civil War, like 40% of the children wouldn't make it to age six. This is very high, high mortality. And a lot of it is due to infectious disease. And it's just harsh um, living. So we're not used to those kinds of levels of mortality. Um, and I mean, that's childhood and then adulthood. A lot of us, we've forgotten. You go back to old stories and yeah, yeah. Oh, it's sad. Someone died of a heart attack at age 54, but it's like, eh, you know, person lived hard, not that surprised. Um, I, I read a lot of history of, you know, especially late 19th century, early 20th century, British and American history. And a lot of these people were dying, you know, before they reached age 60. I mean, men specifically. And in, and it was of cancer and of various kinds of heart disease, apoplexy, which is stroke, if I remember correctly, um, more or less. So you're like, Oh, um, we're not used to people dying at that age of such conditions, but you read about how they lived in terms of how they ate and smoked and drank. It's not so surprising to us when you read that kind of thing, that kind of thing. And that's not even factoring in the level of medicine they had, which was not very good. And in many cases, the medicine, of course, killed them. It's just if you got cut open for any reason, like for surgery, yeah, you were as good as dead. They did not have antibiotics. Surgery before antibiotics. Think about that. What a crapshoot. Forget about surgery before anesthesia, which was bad enough. But surgery before antibiotics. Think of that survival rate. So, so that's, that's pushing it back. If I push it back and back and back, this is like almost the end of the third movement of Beethoven's fifth symphony. And it's dark and we're in a dark tunnel. It's the, my favorite transition in music into the beginning, the beginning of the fourth movement of the fifth symphony. And it open, and I'm not going to sing it because I cannot. Um, this glorious bum, bum, bum. I said I wasn't going to sing it, but I did anyway. Uh, the fourth movement of Beethoven's Fifth Symphony and just go find it. I mean, it's all over YouTube, but anything. It's glorious. But, you know, you might as well just start from the beginning of the symphony. It's not that long. Come on, you know you want to have a little Beethoven 
in your life because you start out it's like uh, dun, 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 hammering on your head the hammer of fate and then by the end you have this glorious sun in your face and so here's the glorious sun in your face after all this death and ah uh, at the very end just think of all the improvement that has happened and while we have just had yes this pandemic think of the possibilities of what has been done before and what can be done again you don't have to take it lying down it can be done it can be improved so go out there and go listen to some beethoven so that's been stumped <laughs> death and taxes i'll talk to y'all later